have been in this passage on Sundays. I think we've had three messages off of it. <clears throat> but we talked about passing the baton, being in the passing zone. You know, in the passing zone, In the passing zone, you receive. You can't receive the baton except in the passing zone. You ever watch them? They know how to run full speed, hold that hand back for the... And somebody lays it in. So, uh, we've already covered it, but I just thought this Wednesday night would be a good time... I take I take a couple, but can you remember? See, this is this is our baton. It says the gospel. He's going. He, he, we have spent a lot of time on those first verses, talking about what the gospel is. We this past Sunday we talked about a false gospel. A got a. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, I don't remember the verse number, but he said, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which I have preached unto you, let it be accursed. Yes. Here's the gospel. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. What I'm asking you now is, I can, I, right now in my mind, I can go back, and name you two or three people that laid that gospel in my heart. Can you? Who wants to who wants to tell us about who it was? Tell us the circumstance, how it happened. Brother? He never closed an invitation, but he didn't say, if you're not under conviction, just stay in your seat. Come when the Lord's got a hold of you. And that made a big impact. And then secondly, my big brother in the ministry, a guy named George Golden, he's gotten old and mellow, but he really... uh, he hated academics, and I do too. I mean, somebody wants to get up and just do schoolwork with you in church. Yeah. Right. He was right for the soul, right for the heart, and that's where I've always been. Nothing else. No academics for me. Okay. Anybody else? This your chance. My Sunday school teacher. Her name was Mrs. Tick, and she presented the gospel every class that we had. And the pastor that I was went forward to was Brother Jack Stanfield from uh, Louisiana, and he preached a hard message that day. And I went down crying, and he said, "Why are you crying?" And I said, because I want to be saved. And he asked me if I knew all those questions. I said, yes. So I was about seven years old. But my grandmother wouldn't let me be baptized until I was 12. So I was baptized under a different but that was at Young Station Baptist Church, which is now Lightside Baptist Church. Amen. 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 Amen.
I'll give you mine then. <laughs> my dad, my mom and dad, they 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 prepared the, the groundwork. When I was about oh, seven or eight years old, we got a new pastor. And and a new pastor's wife, and uh, they just put it down on my level and kept putting it there. Old J. Vernon McGee used to, in his preaching, he used to say. Put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the little kitties can get it. Well, Brother Fields and his wife, Miss Margaret, knew how to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, and I got a hold of it. I already knew I needed to be saved, but I didn't have a clue. And uh, on what I needed to do when I needed to do it. They kept giving me the gospel. Sunday school teachers. Miss Margaret came to my house. I was about eight years old. I was had some at my house if you if you were sick you was in bed. My mother didn't allow any deviation. I'm laying back there in bed and uh, the, the door, somebody knocked on the door and I heard my mother and Miss Fields talking. I just figured Miss Margaret had come to see my mother. They were friends. And, uh, but after a while, my mother came to the door and she said, Miss Margaret's here to see you. And she came in and sat down, held my hand, and sent my mother back to the kitchen. After a while, my mother came with a bowl of soup, and she fed me a bowl of soup. She was my Sunday school teacher. She didn't come to see my mother, she came to see me. About Sixty years later, I preached her funeral. All through my life, every once in a while, me and Miss Margaret would make a contact. She'd call me, I'd call her, something. We never had a conversation that I remember that she didn't end it this way. She'd say, but we love each other, don't we, Wayne? Well, I certainly loved her, I can tell you that. And she kept me focused. It, there's no telling what you can do with your class with a little of personal attention. She just put the gospel where I could get a hold of it. So, the day you received the gospel, you had to be in the passing zone. But, but see, we're all in the passing zone if we're saved. We've all received the gospel, but you don't run the you don't run the race. You don't run a relay race hanging on to the baton. There's got to be a transfer of the baton. And you received that gospel so you could give that gospel. And uh, it, it becomes a priority. Look, at, look with me. I want to go to two or three scriptures. Over in 1 Timothy, Paul calls Timothy 
in 2 Timothy, Paul calls Timothy my dearly beloved son. In 1 Timothy, Paul explains, see, I'm not going to ask us to show our hands if we're saved. I expect that 99% of the people in here would hold their hand up because we are saved. But the day we got saved, we received that gospel. You have to read read verse 3 and 4 of chapter 15 again. If you can't say, I wholeheartedly believe that, you're not saved. But the day you, re- the day you receive that gospel, you believe, it's not, yeah. the day you receive the gospel did not make you a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or officer or a... All it says is, I believe the gospel. That's all it takes to be saved. I preached that Sunday morning. I'm not going to re-preach that. We want to add things to it. And I gave you all those false gospels. You know, the user-friendly gospel. The Jesus plus something gospel. Hey, that's not all over in the Catholic Church or the Methodist Church. It's right here in our independent Baptist ranks. I came through. I I came through that hard-nosed preach against everything that moves. I mean, favorite topic was was uh, pants and shorts and wire rim glasses and everything. You know. There was all kinds of all kinds of stuff. I had a pastor that was into it big time, and I heard him. I heard this several times. I said, "Oh, so and so still smoking cigarettes, or whatever it was," and the answer would come back, "Well, he's probably not even saved." Smoking cigarettes doesn't make you lost. You got it? Quitting them doesn't get you saved. It's the gospel. That's the, that is the saving factor. The, the fact that we have a Savior that went to the cross and shed His blood for our sins. And so... So what's that guy doing if he says they're not saved if they don't do this or that? He's saying you've got to add something to the gospel. That's not that's not Southern Baptist even. That's independent Baptist. You've been there, hadn't you, brother? You've been there, hadn't you, Bruce? I, I fell for it. I and I, I got all the way down to battling about Christmas. We're going to celebrate Christmas or not Christmas. Made every, I was miserable. I made everybody around me miserable. I had a good, a good evangelist come. And he preached out of the Song of Solomon. That last chapter said, Who is that? coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on the arm of her beloved. Hey, if you, if you don't have a beloved, you're not saved. If you are saved, you have a beloved and you can lean on him. That's, he said, I'll never forget that message. He said, best day of my life, I found out God loved me in a blue shirt just like he did a white shirt. He said, I can read the funny papers, laugh out loud, and God still loves me. You understand it? We live in a real world. We're real people. It's the gospel that separates us. We trusted Christ. 
He saved us. It's not what we can do or what we can say, what we can quote, or where we've been. It's the gospel. And if we're depending on anything else, hey, we can't be judgmental because we didn't have anything to do with it. It's all by the grace of God. So, uh, so here's what he says to Paul. What Paul says to Timothy. I'm going to break in verse 11. He says this, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners uh, of whom I am chief. So I want to skip up down from there down to verse 18. Well, let's start with, let me just keep reading. I'm in 16 now. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You understand what he said there? He said, I was injurious. I did all, I was a persecutor. It was only by the mercy of God that I got saved. You can put your sins, whatever you, sins you, you can name in your life. In the, and if you got one of them, that's enough. You don't have to add a whole list. Every one of us are sinners, right? All is sin and come short of the glory. One sin is enough to separate me from the, all of the mercy of God. It took the grace of God to bring us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Y'all still there? So what Paul said, he allowed a wicked sinner like me to be saved so that I become a pattern of the long-suffering and mercy of God to all these people who are going to read my uh, books of the New Testament down through the centuries. Get a hold of it. You're not unique in your failures, sins. We all are. We all have them. Some can hide them better than others. But we're saved. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what He does for us. And that's what Paul's example is. Then he says this, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he's, then he, then he turns to Timothy, this charge, what charge? The charge that I had from God as an example to unbelievers. The charge that I had from God. I received the gospel when I was undeserving and now I'm carrying the gospel into the passing zone. And he said, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Turn over here to the last verse of the last, or the last verses of the last chapter in verse 20. 
of chapter 6. O Timothy, Not, we didn't get very many testimonies, but every one of us, if we're saved, have a testimony of that day. Someone put the gospel in our hand. And he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Somewhere along the way, I got a hold of it. Somewhere along the way, in my stumbling, bumbling, uh, self-destructive efforts, God's mercy was extended and I received the gospel. That's the testimony of everybody in this room if you're saved. But along with that, we got a charge. Look at it. Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. He said no academics. It's not how much academic, not how you can twist and turn through the scriptures. It's a simple truth. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Everything in this Old Testament points to that day that he dies for our sin. Read, read Hebrews chapter 9 sometime. He said the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin, but this man offered one sacrifice for sin forever and then he sat down. And our only, our only claim to fame with God is that Christ died for my sin. That's the gospel. And we either believe it and accept it or we reject it and miss it. You can miss it with all of your intellectual. That's what he's saying here. Vain babblings and positions of science falsely. Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Then he says, grace be with ye. Amen. So, what he said to Timothy is where we are, right? Uh, I've got, I got two. Three, let's go back over to First Corinthians chapter one, chapter two. In chapter two, verse one, here he's writing to this. A lot of people have spent a lot of time talking about how wicked this and how willful this church at Corinth is. Paul spent a year and a half there. It was one. And this church is planted in one of the most wicked cities in the world of its day. If you want to see how the condition of the city, Paul wrote the book of Romans while he was at Corinth. Read the first chapter of the book of Romans. It'll describe what, what the... Corinth was the center of, a, of the love goddess worship. Remember? Remember they almost... They tried to kill Paul over that. The temple at... The temple at Corinth had a had a thousand professional <laughs> prostitutes. That's a good word. <laughs> Male and female prostitutes. The book of 1 Corinthians is the greatest battle against the tongues movement. One of the marks of those prostitutes at Corinth was they could they could they had they could have erotic 
chants and suff- uh, sounds that they could make. You read chapter 12, 13, 14 in, in uh, 1 Corinthians and see what Paul's got to say about all that. But this church is this church is planted in a very wicked place. We're planted in a very wicked place, aren't we? We just came out of camp. Those kids that were here took them three or four days to get settled down where they could hear the word. But think of where they came from. Think of what they've come out of. It's only the grace of God that it wound up with those girls praying. That was a great picture, brother. Brother Harry put a great picture on Facebook. Susie showed it to me this morning of those three girls leading one girl to the Lord out there in the, on the in the middle of the gym, over in the corner of the gym. It's a tremendous picture. We need to hang it on the wall around here somewhere. Those weren't, those weren't the saints. That's the ain'ts. They, they were the one. They were the troublemakers of the first two days, but God had got a hold of their heart, and now they're all praying together, and one of them gets saved. That's what he's challenging Timothy with. So here's what he says. When I and I brethren, two one, and I brethren, when I came to you did not come, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he's gonna say it from eighteen all the way down through twenty four. He's going to talk about preaching the gospel in chapter 1. Uh, and, and what he's saying is, verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. That's still going on, isn't it? It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Did you get it? Two times he said, Christ and Him crucified. Christ crucified. Christ Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And it's foolishness to the world, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. First time I, first time I got a hold of that verse, I was in my study, uh, back in the back room of our house at Alvin. I just, I, it just blew me away that here I look at this big old Bible. I can hold it in my hand, and I'm holding the power of God and the wisdom of God. And you can go, you can go get Shakespeare and all the rest of the dictionaries. You can learn science from front to back, be a, a, a nuclear scientist, but without Christ, you have no hold on the power of God and the wisdom of God. Get it. We have that. A bunch of hillbillies and rednecks like we are can have the, the power of God and the wisdom... It was handed to us with the, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, I'm going to say, verse number 2 of chapter 2 is the greatest truth in the Bible. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Brother Barfield the other day talked about 
if, if the kids were in here, we could get some amens on this. He talked about believing the promise of God and, and, and believing the big promise that takes care of all the little promises. Well, look at this. Here's the, here's the big truth. And, uh, and it takes care of all the little truths. It takes care of the scientific truths. And it takes care of even Bible truths. And you say, well, I, I'm, I'm not too smart on my Bible. Do you know Jesus died for your sins? Have you ever received the gospel according to the scriptures? Then you've got the wisdom of God and the power of God. Don't apologize for it. You can operate with the wisdom of God and the power of God because you have received the gospel. He said, here's the greatest truth. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified over in Galatians chapter number 6. This has always been a marvelous verse to me. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14 says, But God forbid that I should glory. You know, we're living in this... Let's talk about us Christians a minute. We who have... We're toting our baton. But we come in this church and we're more interested in building us a big building than we are anything else. We got... We've got to have a fancy building, fancy air conditioners, fancy windows, fancy, you know, uh, that church across town got a glass pulpit. We need us a new pulpit. Well, listen to what Paul said. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision, but a new creature, somebody carrying their baton, somebody that has received the gospel, that new creature in Christ Jesus that was made by the new birth that only God could do. And about the time we get to look, thinking, man, I could glory there. Read this. From henceforth let no man trouble me, verse 17, for I bear in my body the stigmata, the marks of the Lord Jesus. I mean, I've got a few stripes and I've got a few scars and I'm rejected by a few people. But I'm glorying in the cross. It helps us if we get that attitude. You're not going to please everybody, no matter what you do as a Christian, but you can glory in the fact that Christ died for our sins. I mean, we ought to do the best we can. He said, He said, Old Timothy, keep that which is committed to you. you you've got to ministry in your home you got a ministry in your neighborhood you got a ministry somewhere that is committed to you not to the rest of us but to you so we try to mimic I mean we we got to have a welfare program like the world we got to go down there and put clean water in those villages in Mexico like the world. I mean, you know, we got to do stuff like that. No. What we got to do is hand off this gospel. What was committed to us is the gospel. And there's people that can do a better job drilling wells than Baptists can anyway. 
You know that. Right, brother? You've been down there. Yeah, medical trips. I mean, it's good to have a medical trip, but the object of the medical trip is not to get a bunch. Uh, we can't heal like a hospital full of physicians, but what we can do is go down there and with what tools we do have and draw a crowd and let them come to Jesus and give them the gospel while we're healing them. We can't. There, there's somebody that can build better buildings than we can build. There's somebody that's got more education than we've got. There's somebody that's got, that can do a better uh, layout and, and uh, restructure of the community much better than the church can. But don't forget this. We've got the gospel. We have got the greatest truth of all. Christ died for our sins. We've got that. And that's our baton. Nobody else knows. Hey, if, you know, I know the local church looks pretty flimsy to the world. But if we quit preaching the gospel, who's going to preach it? Nobody else has got it but us. And let's go over to Colossians while we're over here in, in the neighborhood. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. Verse 19, he said, It pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you, now here's what I want us to see, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Nobody else has the gospel but us. Nobody else can hand off the gospel but, but the people that carry it. It was handed to us, and now it's our responsibility to hand it off. The single greatest truth in the Bible is Christ died for our sins. And then he says over in 2 Corinthians, this, he, he says this in verse, in chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we can say, you know, we can pat ourselves on the back and and proudly say, I'm different than you are. I've got stuff you don't have. I can do things you can't do. And, and this tickle-lock, tickle-lock devil, you can't touch me. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. No, that's not it. Look at, look at this. He said, 17, all things are become new. 18, and all things of God are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Who'd you write that to, Paul? I wrote it to that weak, willful church over in Corinth. I sent it down to the church. Church, you and I have the ministry of reconciliation. Not another organization on this earth has it. There is no, nobody else but His church that has this ministry of reconciliation. And the greatest single truth in the, in the Bible is the fact that we have a Savior who died for our sins and He'll save to the uttermost all that come unto God by Him. We have that truth. 
We are carrying that truth. We're in the passing zone. It's time to hand off that truth. To wit, He'd given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. If you read that verse, it defines justification. Justification, it's a, it's a, it's, it's the uh, twofold uh, law of imputation. He imputed all of his righteousness on us. He imputes all of our sin to himself. That's our reconciliation. God never reconciled himself to the world, but he reconciles wicked people to himself by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may, might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are now his ambassadors. We, our citizenship's over there. But now we're ambassadors to a foreign land. We live here in a temporary place. I know I've told this to some of you, but I'm going to tell it again. John and Sally Blackwood. Great. They, li- they lived right at the end of the Trail of Tears. Great people. John Blackwood had been a Cherokee Indian preacher for years. He was known all over the Cherokee Nation. He, he started churches in Oklahoma, then he moved to over into North Carolina and tried to evangelize. He wasn't very popular among the Cherokees because he preached against the hoodoo, voodoo, black magic that they had lived with all their life. I got, to, I got the privilege of preaching both of their funerals to help preach both their funerals. At the first funeral, John, John Blackwood died first. No, Sally did. No, Sally died first, right. You're right. <laughs> Sally died first. And I, I preached at her funeral. I preached off of Psalm 23 and the chief of the Cherokee Nation and three of his sub-chiefs came, cornered me after the service, wanted to know what I, what I, that, that I had preached, and we just discussed my message. It was so unusual that the chief of the Cherokee Nation would be at that lady's funeral. Well, it turned out he was a, he was a professing. Christian and a Baptist. I don't think he was, I don't think he had really got out too deep in the water yet. But So when John died, they had Sally's, they had Sally's funeral at the military outpost at Fort. It was the fort where Custer led the led those soldiers down into the Cherokee village and murdered babies and women and and became the great Indian fighter of his day. He got his reputation there. That's where we had her funeral. We had John's funeral at the church that he had started. His son-in-law was the pastor. And I got to sit down and talk to the chief a little while. I'll never forget the first time I ever preached in that church. It was, it was at that time, it was just a, 
pole barn. Y'all know what a pole barn is. There's no foundation, just the poles, and and they built a wall around it and made a church out of it, poured cement, and that was the way they built that church. But I'll never forget those three Cherokee ladies. They got up and sung in the Cherokee language. John and John and Sally would get up and sing every once in a while in the Cherokee language. Those songs, the hymns. So I was talking to the chief and I, I said, you know, you didn't just lose, lose a preacher here, but you, you, you lost a man who has really been a, a, a uh, missionary to the whole Cherokee nation. He said, not only that, Brother Wayne, but he's been, he's been one of the keepers of our language. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, the average age of, of, a, of people that are fluent in the Cherokee language is 65 or over. And John and Sally were both very fluent in the uh, she gave me an education on the Trail of Tears and, and all kinds of stuff. She sent books home with me and got me educated on Cherokee Nation. And it's a shame what happened to it. You know, the Cherokee Nation was established before America was ever, before a white person ever. They already had a nation. They were very civilized. Anyway, what, what we talked about, what the chief wanted to say to me was that he didn't have very many people that could speak the language. If the, if the average age is 65, 15 years from now, there's nobody that can speak the language. wonder what the average age is in here right now. Would you say about 50? Careful. Yeah. <laughs> Could we say 50? There's, there's a few under 50, but there's a lot more over 50. There, you're, in a, you're in a bad neighborhood, Andrew. <laughs> you guys, y'all are dragging down our average. <laughs> but think about this church. If that's true for the Indian nation, it's true for the church. Unless we win some of these young people, unless we get the mess, if unless we hand this baton off of the gospel off and get some of them running this race carrying this baton, what's it going to be in 20 years? Look around you. Most of us won't be here 20 years from now. We've got to have some fresh blood. If that's serious to a Cherokee chief, it ought to be serious to a Christian who's carrying the baton of the gospel and claiming the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as his only reason for going to heaven. It's time for us to become the ambassadors for Christ. Wouldn't you say? It's time for us to start handing this gospel off to as many as we You guys just keep working. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all got a big position, Daniel. Now you're making big bucks and you can pay big Social Security. <laughs> Makes our retirement better. Brother, remember what one of the youngsters said this week, just last week, don't let this fire go out. Yeah. As we left here that last day, one of the young people, one of those little rebels that had had 
came and and that's what she said, whatever he said. We can't let this fire go out. Right. Church, we don't need to let the fire go out. Right. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to your trust. We've, we've been put in trust. Everything in this nation is trying to destroy the King James Bible. We've got the inspired Word of God on it. We've got the truth. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Greatest truth of, the, of, a, of any age. We need to sound it out and keep, our, keep the trust that's been given to us. I'd like to done more with that, but I didn't I didn't get there. I think it's the I think it's the greatest truth we can understand is that we have the gospel, but we can give the gospel, and when we do, we have we have kept the trust that God has given us. Let's let's. Uh, Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Brother Bruce, would you pray for us? Oh, just a minute, brother. Brother Mark's going to say, trustees need to have a meeting tonight. Don't miss it. We need it. Okay, Brother Bruce. Also, before I pray, I just got a message during the service about a church there in Chapman that they're going out to a new area to evangelize and they're really asking for prayer in this new village that they've never evangelized before and they're working on it right now at this very moment. Father, I pray that you now bless our time tonight. Thank you, Father, for the message from Brother Wayne and the importance of passing the gospel. And uh, Father, I'm so grateful that you allow us to do that. That you've chosen us to be those runners that take the gospel to others. Others yeah. wanted to do it, but you gave us the privilege of doing it. Yes, Lord. It's a responsibility. It can be a burden sometimes, but also it's a privilege. And we thank you for that privilege. We pray that you now bless our church, help us to be even more desirous of taking the gospel to the other regions of the world, to the uttermost. Also, Father, protect and bless those that have physical needs that are not unable to fulfill all the desires they have of serving you, but they need to have that physical strength to do so. So provide that even tonight, Father. Be with our loved ones and the places they're at. Protect them and use them also. Give us safety as we go to our homes. Bless the rest of this week as we serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.